0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Bloom 90 Podcast. I'm your host Nathan Bond, joined alongside me as always, uh, Seth Varnador and Robert Steak. It's been a week, I think. I, today, I think yesterday was a week since we announced the the switch to the switch to Twitch hashtag Switch to Switch at uh, uh, Twitch. I don't know what what the hell am I saying, um, but. It's been pretty successful, uh, you know, I sent out a message earlier this evening, um, saying, Hey, we're going to be a little late, uh, cause Seth's super popular. And, uh, he, he had another, he had another gig lined up. Um, and it said, Hey, send to 67 plus people in discord, uh, which was pretty, which was pretty awesome. Um, but we're here. We're, uh, we're excited. I think it's been a pretty, uh, smashing success so far through the first week, if I if I do say some myself, um, but guys, how we feeling a week into this thing? Do you feel rejuvenated? I feel after that whatever that was in 2022, I feel rejuvenated going into this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, Steg's a- on the Discord, breaking news, breaking hearts.
2: It's uh, it's great, and I got to see Steg in person recently, so that was fun. He did that was fun. That was a good time. That was not because of the Discord, but just through. Sheer interactions of things, but yeah it's 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 nice to have an outlet of a circle of trust to be able to send out some of the information that me and and Sean and a few other guys get so you know it's it's a nice little uh you know avenue for us to utilize so that you know we don't let things leak out, and when we know things leak out that we find, we know it's you know coming from that circle so it's a it's fun though it's it's definitely been cool and inter- interacting with more people on a more what I could consider to be a more personal basis is, is fun as well. You know, watching the games live, discussing things live instead of just aimlessly throwing shit at the wall on Twitter and then forgetting about it after 45 minutes.
1: Yeah. So the interaction on discord is so much easier than Twitter and so much quicker. Uh, I really enjoy it. So uh, that's been, I've been surprised how much I've kind of been looking at it and, 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 how many people are you know in there conversating about different subjects and all kinds of we got food in there, you got food pics in there now. There's a lot of uh a lot of interesting things happening in the Discord. And Steag and Sean are breaking news in there and, and giving you the lowdown on what's coming down the pipe and recruiting. So a lot of good stuff in there. If you're not a member yet, join up. We're on the we're on the drive to a hundred right now. We we really are. Um so well, all you guys have to do is Uh,
0: Follow us on Twitch, shoot us a DM and saying that you are doing so. And then we will send you the invite to the discord and that you guys will have free access to the discord through the start of fall camp. Uh, And then uh, if I mean, through the first week, if any indications are, um, abound, I think there'll be plenty of people who are going to be willing to pay for it, hopefully. And that's what we're going to be doing. And we'll be, uh, I think you guys will see some of the, the fun things that we do on, on the discord here. And, uh, I'm excited for the future of whatever this platform may be for us. And the, the new Avenue, um, but, with the business um i guess part of the podcast out of the way let's jump into it um let's see where where do we want we let's start with so we got had some new football announcements so guys who kind of already announced that they were they were going to be transferring in and it seems like they have started classes and have enrolled and are officially part of the 2023 USF football roster steek take it away. Who do you want to start with
2: first? Uh, we'll start oldest to newest. I think it's probably the easiest way to do it. Um, and do it. When I say oldest, I mean, this happened a little bit ago, but Bryce Archie is probably the first one that we can talk about that was announced. Um, his story is kind of brief. Played a little bit at Coastal Carolina as a shirt freshman. Um, left uh, left uh, the Coastal Carolina program after a little bit as a quarterback and you know was looking for a new home and very quickly got swooped up by USF. So he's a guy that, for all intents and purposes right now, where USF is at going into the spring, Bryce is actually a really critical piece um, for those who may have forgotten and have pushed the 2022 season into the back of their mind. Uh, USF doesn't really have uh, quarterbacks right now. You, of course, have Byron Brown, who's probably going to be fighting for that starting job, but Gary Bohannon still isn't healthy. Ray Marsh, his future's up in the air. And, and frankly, I'm not, I, I'm pessimistic that he'd play football again, but apparently he's making incredible progress. Um, but right now, that's, and Gunner Smith, who hasn't really played much uh, over his years at USF. So those are your quarterbacks um, going into spring <laughs> practice is Gunner Smith and Iron Brown, a redshirt freshman and a redshirt freshman. So uh, getting another guy on board is at least nice to get a little bit of play and, on. Um, you know, once we'll see the future of what Gary looks like and, and future Trey Marsh, we'll see what that position shapes out into. It's not really a position of worry for USF, but it is a position where you need to always take at least one guy. And that's the reason why is because you don't want to be end up with just one guy in the spring. So, um, Yosef looks, you know, pretty okay. Right there. Uh, next i Nate.
0: Yeah. I, I was just kind of touching on the quarterback, uh, kind of question marks there and we'll get into it as we kind of get deeper into the depth chart. But I mean, there was a reason Ryan Boldick was, uh, I think he may have been listed as the backup the last couple of weeks of the season or, uh, at least third string ahead of Gunnar Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seemed like he just never, really progressed or may have been in the doghouse. There was uh, something strange was going on there for sure toward the end of the year, fresh slate, new coaching staff, what have you. So we'll figure it out. And then also, I think, I think probably since our last podcast, maybe, maybe we touched on it last time. I can't remember that Steve's golden child of Jordan Smith also transferred out. So Mm. uh, he's not, he's no longer an option. Um, So the quarterback room, while there's what, five scholarship guys, if I'm not mistaken, two are hurt. So you're really down to three. Um, I personally wouldn't be surprised if they went out and looked for another scholarship quarterback, but Mm -hmm. that is just my thought process there, depending on how Gary progresses from his shoulder injury and whatever Trey Marsh's status is. Right.
2: And they have the room for them.
0: So and just keep that in mind that you heard it here.
2: Noted. Um Ronald, thank you for saying this because I would have forgotten him. Um <laughs> Bulls did sign a kicker, uh, because it's not listed on my list right now. Uh yes, they did sign a kicker. Uh Brandon He is from uh University of Virginia. Uh career 15 for 21 on field goals, uh 39 for 40 out of extra points. Um Solid kicker. I mean, they they have kickers on their roster, but that's going to be a position that's going to be kind of up for grabs after Spencer Shader or Spencer Schrader transferred out. So uh, you got you saw John Cannon there as well, and uh, Will Fowler is still on the roster. So who knows? Uh, open kicking competition, everyone's favorite, is uh, going to be a bound in the spring. Um, and after that, uh, speed round, Seth Jones, Baylor wide receiver transfer, uh, R.J. Perry offensive tackle transfer from Tennessee. Derek Bowman, offensive tackle transfer from Houston. Uh, DJ Harris, a edge rusher from Texas. And then ring-a-ding-ding. If you were in the Discord, you knew about this. Naquan Wright, University of Florida running back. They're uh, starting running back to start the season last year transferred to USF. He will essentially kind of be your uh, you know Brian Batee transferred out, Naquan Wright transferred in kind of situation. So Again, if you were in the Discord, you kind of saw this coming for the past week and a half. Um, uh, but that was uh probably the the exciting moment of signing day. This signing day that they had on Monday was you know announcing Naquan Wright. And of course they waited until the very the very, very end to announce it. Um <laughs> they did also announce Dominic Ganella. Uh his I I still can't get confirmation if he's on scholarship or not. I'm going to imagine that he is. Just um, ask him. Yeah, I could. Yeah. Um that's what but. I did.
0: I did that with a, I did that with Trent Schneider his first year. I just flat, like I
2: was interviewing him and I was like, so are you on scholarship? He's like, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah." I'll message him tonight. Um, but yeah. So uh, what seven guys on this, uh, or seven transfers announced on this early signing transfer period thing. Um, the reason why USF wanted to make sure to announce it this week and not wait on it is because today in, uh, two hours and 10 minutes, the transfer portal officially closes for the winter season uh, for football. So they give about two days of processing for compliance. And uh, so you might see like one or two guys enter the portal, like after the fact, like tomorrow or Friday, but um, yeah, so the portal is basically going to be closed as of midnight tonight. So you wanted to get these guys in, get them announced, get them enrolled in classes and ultimately, Start spring workouts and spring football install periods. So that's what uh, that's where USF is at right now.
0: Yeah, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if we hear a story over uh, at some point about the guy filing the paperwork late and doesn't get out of the port, doesn't get into the portal in time, and then he's stuck at the current school until May, and it just kind of throws everything off. And there's going to be a big hoopla somewhere about how this this needs to be changed so there needs to be some leeway what have you um so just be ready for that because that's always a fun story the process stories about uh the timing and everything of people getting into and out of the transfer portal are always um fun and uh lord willing it just doesn't happen to usf hope
1: i think i think everybody it seems like everybody was gonna jump for uh maybe bigger opportunities has probably jumped to this point. And uh, those guys are getting some bigger opportunities. It would seem. It would right. seem uh, Xavier
0: Weaver was out at Colorado this past weekend, uh, along with some pretty, pretty big names um, maybe potentially teaming up with his former USF teammate and Jimmy Horn. Uh, who knows? But I mean, Let's let's dive into the depth chart and I'll lead it in with this. Um, Seth, if, are you able to pull that that depth chart up from Sean? Where was Maybe that? Kinda, it was in the discord. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Let me, let me see. Um, Van. But Yes. But uh, to kind of lead into it, we were having a conversation in Slack with some people um, today about uh, the talent is not completely devoid at usf and we were kind of going through it like yeah you lose an all-american at with brian Petit but you bring in naquan right and then you have some other folks
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh join if you can get uh, if you can get a kelly joiner uh back 100 percent and uh productive that's an option uh Jalen Johnson, the, the true freshman running back, a couple of Dominic Canella, who has proved it at the FCS level for, for all intents and purposes, and a couple of other people. That room is not as bad as it seems. And especially with the quarterback room, again, depending on how Gary recovers, you have two pretty solid starting quarterback options there. Uh the question marks always will be: what the F is the defense going to be like? Who knows? Uh line line's always gonna be a question mark until they, they prove otherwise. Same with linebacker and uh, offensive line with how many people have left. I think what four four of the starting five guys are no longer with the program,
3: either I by graduation so, or yeah. transfer.
0: So Meach graduated, Cecil graduated, Trey Jacobs graduated, and Dustin Hall transferred.
2: Yep. And he ended up at Duke. Yeah. Every single guy that transferred out, by the way, every single guy that transferred out of USF basically transferred up. Yeah, like, I mean, technically, you could even say Amarin Dawson transferred up to, to JMU. Yeah, Jackson Long went to fucking Georgia Tech. I <laughs> like, mean, goodness gracious!
3: It.
0: So, can we? Can everybody see that? Give me a yay or nay. I, my, my eyes are pretty
3: track Don't know. Um, we got I see. Yeah. I see. That yeah. That's all we need. The a couple yays. All right. Yays yeah, in the
2: chat. All right. Yays yeah, in the chat, baby. Sweet. Uh, I think Nate's frozen. Or is he back? There he is. All right.
0: He's back. Am he's I back? back. Uh, see, if it only happens once, I'm okay.
2: You're lagging a little bit. You're behind us by like a half a second, I think, here. I think we might need the modem. Yeah, there no. it is. Maybe.
3: Damn. So close. All right. Can you see it, Nathan? Yes. There you go. That's all that matters. Oh. Alright, so this is this is Sean's uh,
0: 100% right, no no notes, no issues. Depth chart heading into spring. Um, I probably would switch Byron and Gary, but that's just me. I'm not going to nitpick. I am going to nitpick. Um, this does not. I don't think this has uh, Naquan right. I think he jumps right to the top there. I think he. I think he's going to be the starter. Um, mm-hmm. But you guys, give me your initial thoughts of what we're looking at. If you feel good, bad, indifferent, position of need. Uh, where your biggest worry is, as we head into spring practice, we're not going to even talk about fall camp. That is seven months away. Fall, uh, spring ball is in like two months. Let's let's keep it focused on spring ball and who could be there to to make an impact on a spring game that we may or may not be able to stream. Hey, that's the hope. Um,
2: I, I think offensively, um, I, I think it's it's good. Inserviceable. There's a lot of unproven talent in that wide receiver room, though. But it is a talented wide receiver and there, there isn't really any doubt about it. You know, you're looking at you. You're looking at basically your two of your three starters, Yusuf Terry and Joe with Joe, are previous Power Five wide receivers, and Naeem Simmons is an All Conference wide receiver uh, coming out of FCS. So they're not devoid of talent. I think when you start getting into um, you know, the the one in particular, the slot receiver with Sean Atkins, that's where I think some fans are kind of gonna get a little worried because, you know, the former walk-on turned scholarship slot receiver that's you know, shorter than usual, that kind that can kind of worry some fans, especially in Golish's new offense, where you kind of favor size a little bit more. I don't know if Sean Atkins completely fits into the offensive scheme. So I could imagine that they might go after one more wide receiver uh, in this signing period. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We may have dropped who we think it's going to be and who they're targeting in uh, our Discord channel. Um, so I think if they can get one more wide receiver uh, to kind of fill in that slot, kind of like a, a, a true either starter or backup or however you want to consider him, I think that wide receiver room feels a lot better for me, though.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely a point of not necessarily concern, but curiosity, right? Uh Seth Jones coming from a P five program, not a ton of production, right? So and then you got some young guys in there. Uh but like you said, there's there's it's littered with P five transfers that, that receiver group probably looking at one more guy, like you said, but that'll be a source of curiosity. Their receiver, I, I mean, at Tennessee and and at, at different stops has been it's been really like trait. If you have a trait like if you have the straight line speed trait, they can get you open. Um, so I I think they'll probably be able to make do with what they have. Obviously, if you had the exact same receiving group you had at the end of last year, you'd feel really good about it. Uh, but those top two guys are out. Uh, tied in will be interesting. I think Weston Wolf will have a chance to climb the depth chart. Uh, he was he was at Maryland. He had a really good high school career at Venice, a really good high school program. Uh he, he's a pretty good player. So that'll be interesting to see how him how that, that battle goes. Uh quarterback, I think you feel pretty good with the with the top end you got there, but injuries and things like that spring will be interesting to see in terms of repetitions, but uh, I think you feel pretty happy with every group. Obviously offensive line you don't really know how much depth you have. Um, because while a lot of guys got to play last year, they had a lot of guys leave. So the guy, the guys that got to play last year will be starting. So that's good. Uh, but if one of them gets hurt, maybe not as good. And you got a couple of transfers in there to kind of help with that as well. So on the offensive side of the ball, I think you'll be all right. Um, defensively. You know, I, you'd probably like to get a couple more guys in, in a couple positions. You'd probably like some more defensive linemen, uh, particularly some bigger guys. Uh, but maybe that's something they don't feel like they need as much with switching to probably an odd front. You got a guy like Rashad Cheney at the nose. You know, maybe you don't need a ton of bodies there. Obviously, the more depth, the better. Um, and then linebacker, I think you've got some guys that... You've got a lot of guys that have played uh but how do you feel about them i don't know i, I think they're it's smart and you especially in the first year to go out get some guys in the portal and then it's also smart to leave leave yourself some scholarships after you get to see what you actually have and then go out and address those needs you don't want to you don't want to go fill up your class and then be like you know what i thought we were going to be pretty good at receiver but we really need a couple more guys oh wait we don't have any scholarships left right so um now there will probably be some movement from I'm sure like there will be for everybody there'll be some movement of guys off the team as well in that portal period it'll open more up but I think you've got a good base to kind of see you know what you got in spring and then add to it at, in that next portal period give the coaches a chance to see what they have in person and, and you know maybe maybe they feel pretty good about some positions that are, would surprise some people. That's the other part that I think we have to remember about last year. There were so many injuries last year and and the staff had gotten to a point where you could, they couldn't use it as an excuse because of how poor they'd been in previous years. like there's no excuse, this is your third year. it shouldn't be you know it shouldn't be this, but there were a ton of injuries last year at key positions, a bunch of guys had to play, so maybe the depth isn't as maybe as bad as it felt at times. Because uh, they actually just didn't have all the, they were just so injured. You you really were kind of at the bottom. So just adding a few guys here and there might, and and having some health luck might shore up those depth issues. So um, that'll be kind of interesting to watch. Spring will be a lot of fun. Hopefully we get to watch some of it. Maybe we get to see a practice would be cool. Uh, a, a spring a, a game streamed would be Maybe. cool. Not just on. Not just on. Not just
2: uh, Twitch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the, the, that you kind of hit the nail on the head. And and frankly, when I look at the, you know, looking at the first string guys, I don't, I I feel kind of good about it. I, I don't feel obviously great. I'm not, you know, calling a, you know, conference championship or anything like that. But knowing what I know about most of these starters that are projected here, I feel pretty all right about it. Um, you know, obviously you slotted Naquan right there uh, next to Mikey or instead of Mikey Dukes, but you know, that, that defensive line, Eddie Kelly, Rashad Cheney, and Jason bond those were our three best defensive linemen last year. And then you kind of knock in there with Lloyd Summerall and to give kind of a little bit of background on things. So the, the Todd Orlando defense, um, it, it's an odd man front. It's a lot of multiple assignments and everything like that, but you're, you essentially have these four hybrid-esque uh players. So your bandit is a defensive end outside linebacker. You can think of kind of like a um a an a pass rush specialist, an edge rusher. They kind like of a will line up. Shaq yes, Barrett fans. for Shaq Barrett for your Bucks fans or they can also probably yeah. play.
1: Play in the boundary and also like they can drop him in coverage. So he doesn't have to go far, but it'll sometimes drop in coverage to the boundary.
2: Right. It's, I, I would honestly, you know, not to diss Sean or anything like that. I think Eddie Kelly could also find himself in that bandit position if he uh, is as a- athletic as advertised. You know, he's, he could drop into coverage if need be, but, you know, Lloyd Summerall should slot slotted perfectly there. Uh, Rover is going to be kind of your coverage linebacker. Um, So a guy who does have experience, you know, usually slotting and covering their, you know, getting a chip on their slot receiver, that might be a little faster, or the running back coming out of the backfield or anything like that. Um, And Mac Harris is a perfect uh, option for that because Mac Harris played safety. So he's pretty good at covering and he's gained quite a bit of weight and poundage and strength over the years here at USF. So I think that's actually a perfect position for him. DJ Gordon, we saw him all last year flying around uh, Mac linebacker is your Mike linebacker. He's going to be the play caller and the heart and soul, of the defense and probably end up murdering someone over the middle, at least once or twice <laughs> a game. And then uh, field is uh, for the old USF faithful is, is the angry bird um, kind of your hybrid linebacker defensive back kind of situation there. You really want this guy to be able to blitz the quarterback uh, if need be. Um, but can line up basically anywhere along the field if he needs to be a fifth safety, if he needs to you know, be in depth or anything like that. So um, aside from one glaring uh, position here, which I don't like this particular person starting, but I'm not going to say it out loud. I think this is a pretty good starting. It's It's the two that I get a little worried about. And then the three where I start getting really worried about things because that's a lot of. Freshmen. That's a lot of young guys. That's a lot of guys that just can't crack it. Uh, you know, if they're more than a year old. So, it that's. But you know, you hope you don't get to that point. I hope we got to that point at Game Five last year. So I hope I never see that over again. <laughs> uh, the thing that kind of sticks
0: out to me, even if you move uh, Byram to the starting spot, outside of him, Gunner and Donovan. All those guys are are transfers, uh, and that – I know I probably shouldn't feel this way, but golly, man, the, the cover's a little barren coming from high school prospects. Uh, like, do you guys see anyone on that depth chart? That, like, the, I, I think especially the offensive line, it just seems like they just could not develop an offensive lineman to save their life unless they were transferred in and already had some
3: college experience.
2: I mean, that's, that's the scary part about it is offensive line is one of the most difficult positions to recruit and develop and, and, you know, get right in in college football. Because there's a lot of variables and there's a lot of guys who in high school were just big guys playing up against people like me. So they get great film and and they, you know, go to camps and everything like that. And they have the size and the measurables, and then they put the helmets on and they're lined up next to their guys and all of a sudden they uh turn into a revolving door. And we've seen it over the years where a guy might, you know, be serviceable for certain instances, but you know, can't pass block or or can't run block or something like that. It is just a big body that gets in the way for half a second before killing our quarterback. So that's, that's, you know, the scare, Um, you have a veteran there with Donovan Jennings who can kind of at least rally the troops a little bit and, you know, potentially be kind of the leader that this program needs. But yeah, I mean, that's terrifying to bring in four new guys, especially with the minimal amount of experience that some of those guys do have.
1: You know, I I think you know, I don't know if you can say it was lack of development. Like, think about how young the offensive line core they inherited. The last staff inherited when they came in, all those guys were sophomores. And then with COVID, you know, you basically got all you got more year, you got a lot more years out of them than you wouldn't no, under normal circumstances. You're, you're going to play those guys. They they developed into pretty good players, and you had a pretty good offensive line group last year. So, um, I think guys developed, but all of them left. So um it's hard to tell what how the guys behind them developed if at all but it's i think it's smart to come in and bring guys that are somewhat more proven in the first year and then maybe if they get beat out by one of these guys that has developed that's great but if not you've got some proven guys there that you can start off quickly with what you don't what you don't want to have happen is all those guys that they put a lot of development a lot of time into graduate or transfer and then you come in and just like all right let's see what these guys got and not really know and if they end up being not great then your season's already shot if they end up being pretty good that's great and they might end up being pretty good and some one of these guys will break the starting lineup and and it'll look different than it does here on the paper or on the on the screen but it's i think it's always good to uh give yourself some wiggle room there
2: yeah and I will say they have two pieces on this offensive line in this, in this recruiting class that I think will be your leaders in this program is James Jenkins and Nikola Milovic. Milovich. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, true freshmen starting off of uh, probably won't, I hope will not play much, but you know, they, they, those are two guys that I think, you know, the, when it comes down to the staff, those were the two kind of home run uh, signings of the class to me, Were were those two, I mean, clinical and keeping two bay two high end Bay Area um offensive linemen in, in in town is it's gonna pay its dividends down the road at least. So I just hope they don't have to play much their freshman year.
1: Yeah. And in terms of quarterback, they, they have one visiting this weekend. Uh Blake uh, is it Blake Boda from Coco. hmm He's uh he's visited, he's taking an official uh allegedly he's getting set was it this what you saw you you put something out on him right steve that yeah making his decision pretty quickly
2: yeah so blake boda has been um yeah he's been committed to unlv for the last couple of weeks but uh unlv's offensive coordinator uh just left to go to
1: yeah patrino yeah, Patrino was his primary recruiter at unlv right.
2: And so he kind of reopened his recruiting and and he's going on a visit here. And then he's going on a visit to UNLV at the end of the month. Um, and typically in, in recruiting world, last visit usually gets the commit. Um, so it's something to monitor. But Blake Boat is a, a, you know, a I think crushed some records for uh, um, the state passing records or something like that. And he's massively talented, but kind of came on late and he's a left-handed quarterback, which some coaches don't like. Um, so he's a guy to watch, but they, they, they definitely have interest in him. And so bringing him and his, and his teammates from Coco, I think is a, a pretty smart decision since Coco is a, uh, an all right football program. <laughs> yeah.
1: They won the state championship. I believe this year, uh, he threw for four, over 4,000 yards, 49 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, ran for 205 yards and five more touchdowns. They won 11, three, won the state championship. He's coming into town this weekend. And like Steve said, he's bringing a couple of teammates they're going to have some 2024 20, kids from Coco in town as well. Um, so it seems like outside of a few areas, uh, a few guys they're still kind of recruiting in this class. They're really moving on to 24, which is good uh, because that's what happens a lot with um, that's what happens a lot with kind of new coaching staffs. So they get stuck in the class. They're they come in and they don't get a head start on that next class, and they're, so they're playing catch up for years just trying to catch up to these programs that have already been able to move on. So it seems right. like they're doing that already, which is a good thing. Right. I think And, and the last uh, Coco quarterback that
0: may or may not have played at USF and definitely committed to USF. Bruce Judson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> last from the- Bruce Judson ended up at Tusclam, I think for a year. I just remember looking him up. He was all over. It all comes full
0: circle. At this podcast, I, I, I think you I think he was at uh, independence for a minute there. I mean. Holy cow. Um, <laughs> That's a fast. That'd be a fascinating story. That's a fascinating oral history right there, because, man, he him and his three teammates committed. None of them ended up at USF. Bruce never even got into Oregon. Uh, it what a what a cluster of a recruiting
2: cycle.
1: Right. Yeah, he ended up at he ended up at Tusculum, but it looks like he didn't play.
2: Shame. So, um, but yeah, so the, the, obviously the staff isn't done filling out the current class. Um, they have additional visitors aside from Blake Boda and a few other guys um, from his class. They have a uh, Desario Riles, who is an edge. Uh, they classify him as an athlete, um, but he is, he's is a defensive end, tight end quarterback. Um, so athlete is what we're going to qualify that. Uh, he comes from University of Christian. He's coming on a visit. He just visited East Carolina. He is visiting USF this week. He is shutting down his commitment, and will be signing after this weekend. Signs are pointing pretty good for USF, but we will see how that visit goes. Does he um, still
1: have the Indiana visit scheduled after?
2: I it said that he canceled it, but it's still on the website, so I don't okay. know. Um, uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but yes, yeah, so it's it'll be down to ECU, USF, or Indiana. We'll see what happens there. Um, they had a few other visitors. So, Marquise Montgomery, uh, my aforementioned wide receiver from JUCO from Snow College, he was on a visit last week. Um, they also flew out to go see him. So, that shows USF's level of love towards him. And then uh, Drew Perez, um, I, I saw Andrew kind of mention him. Drew Perez did visit USF. He is a six foot eight offensive tackle from South Lake in, uh, or South Carroll and South Lake Carroll. Uh, Southlake Carroll, there it is, in Texas. Um, he is continuing to get more offers from interesting programs. So he's one to monitor. I, I, some people kind of chumped the gun on him. He's not going to commit until probably signing day. And uh, USF at least got him on a visit. He got an offer from Tulsa today, which is really going to make things difficult uh, for USF. But they'll, they're still high on him. Um, they will probably take one more offensive lineman from at least high school. Before they round out um, that class and then the rest of this class is, you know, probably bringing in a linebacker, probably bringing in a defensive lineman, probably bringing in a quarterback and a wide receiver and offensive. They're going to take like one more from every position except for running back. And all of them are basically going to be like depth pieces. I I don't think that USF is going to get a starter or any massive contributor that they don't think could play this year. They they kind of looking more towards the future and and some developmental guys. Um, but as Seth mentioned, they are pointing their guns towards 2024, which is the smart thing to do. Get these guys in, come see the new IPF, come watch some practice. Maybe. Hey, we're doing install. You're going to learn this at the same time. Maybe, uh, you know, butter up some kids and, uh, Hey, Hey, Blake Bota, what do you think about this play call or, uh, something along those lines. So we'll see how that goes. I'll be really
1: interested to see what kind of player they can get in this offense. If, especially if it takes off in year one, It, it w- it's a definitely a different offense than anybody kind of in the, in the footprint here. So it'll be really interesting to see what kind of level of kid they can pull to play in it. If, if they do have a lot of success year one, it, it's, it would be a lot of fun to play in if you're a quarterback or a receiver.
2: Right. And and they've been very strategic on who they have uh, been targeting for the twenty twenty four class. Uh, if you've been following Sean and myself, you'll notice that's a lot of kids from what consider to be good schools uh, for for football. Uh, there's a lot of you know programs with historical precedents that are producing pretty good athletes, and you know they're going to get them on campus as soon as they can to come showcase this offense and showcase how much fun it is because. You know, offensively for these wide receivers and running backs and quarterbacks, it's it's attractive to at the prospect of a of a school like of of, of excuse me a scheme like this. You know, offensive lineman might be a little bit more difficult because you got to say, hey, you might be running a lot more uh, with a, with not a lot of breaks, and then defensively, um, you have a lot of pretty good personnel to kind of gel with these guys. Um, Kevin Patrick obviously is known for his defensive lineman. You know, James Rowe is a USF alum through and through. So he's a good guy to have back there. Um, you know, Chad Kramer is pretty young and can relate to some of the kids at Todd Orlando's a genius to some circles. So it, it, they should have no problem with recruiting, especially now with how the portal's been as loose as it is. There should be no problem with recruiting anymore for USF. It's it's open, it's, it's theirs for the taking.
1: Yeah. Uh... Question. Good question. I think Tulsa used to, but I don't think anybody else in the conference is running this. It's Tulsa kind of ran a version of it uh, with uh, Montgomery, but he's gone. So I don't. I don't think. I don't think anybody else is kind of running this type of system. Um, I would imagine it will get more popular in the coming years. So you may see somebody, but uh, nobody's running. I don't believe it's running kind of this Baylor style, old school style wide spread wide receivers and all that kind of stuff. Right. So it should
2: be unique. Should be should be fun at least at the very least. Yes it's the, that's the hope right? Yeah and and they'll take a step back offensively. They'll make their mistakes and everything like that. It's year one for a new offense but I'm I'm excited to see how they kind of do this install during spring because I mean for a lot of these kids this might be a wake up call on conditioning and on strength and, and everything like that. They'll they'll get their ass kicked sometimes. But I did, uh, I did like the, uh, the new tagline that they have. It's, uh, it's not United start to finish.
3: Mm -hmm. It's be who you say you are, which sounds like the Lion King. Mm -hmm.
1: You get James Earl Jones out here to do a little narration.
2: They did a, uh, George, I, I don't know how to pronounce this. the new strength and conditioning coach. I think it's George Kourides. Um, they showed that little clip of him today uh, during their strength workout and everything like that. I was like, "Damn, this dude's sexy!" <laughs> like, "Holy shit!" Oh my god, he! I, I was joking earlier that you know, if we need if we're if we're spry for content, I was going to rank our uh, our you know coaching staff and everything. But I'm including George in there because George quickly skyrocketed to the top of my uh, sexy ranking here.
0: You know, you know, if we had done this last year, I think, uh, Travis Trickett would be up there as well as, uh, Sawyer Jordan, who is now, a he's a offensive analyst, uh, for quarterbacks at coastal. He followed, um, a to coastal. I think he had now officially announced that today. And then, uh, Xavier dies up there as well. So,
3: uh, but for sure. The USF, you know,
2: Myrtle Beach campus.
0: Yeah. And uh, there's always the premise like uh, if if your quarterback's not attractive, then how much confidence can the guy really have? It's like uh, if if his partner's not really attractive, does he really believe in himself? And there's some credence to it. I mean, if you got if you got a straight uggo for 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 a spouse, it, what confidence are you saying that you have for yourself? You're supposed to be a leader. There there's some cre- I mean, this is some absolute like caveman mentality for sure but there's is, there's is some credence to it i'm not gonna lie to you
2: it's true the sexier the starting quarterback the better it's 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 literally i think a proven scientific fact honestly
1: i've heard some say sam hartman's too good looking he
2: mm-hmm. could be
1: it's just no, you go could. too far
3: off one end and then
1: it becomes distracting Exactly, yes. Andrew.
0: It's it no, it's straight up the boardroom scene for a moneyball for sure. And it's it's absolutely true. he was like he got an ugly girlfriend, he doesn't have any confidence in himself. Mm-hmm. So why not? But go. we've gone off the rail so hard. It's it's almost 10:30. I think I'm ready for bed. Um shorter episode tonight. Mm-hmm. we'll uh
2: Steag, what, let's what do you guys got planned for tomorrow? Ooh. Yes, tomorrow. So uh, Vito and I will be uh, live for the uh, the USF Roundup discussing anything and everything related to the uh, Olympic sports with USF Athletics. Uh, We've got a very special show, second one, and we're already bringing on a guest. Look at that. Uh, Mr. Uh, Heath Brinkus is going to be joining us to talk about our back-to-back-to-back co-ed cheerleading national championship. And the all-girl cheerleading championship as national championship as well. Uh, so we'll be discussing that in depth with him to kind of get more insight on what goes in on that. Because for us, it's, uh, you know, we kind of just see, oh, a 3 peep for USF cheerleading. Great. Thumbs up, guys. But, you know, we want to go in depth and to highlight and uh, show uh, some love to that program that works really hard uh, to uh, cheer on an empty stadium. God bless them. They're
0: doing the they're doing the Lord's work. I'm sure they were trying to cheer on a crowd that were uh, down 20 plus points for most of the night tonight uh, against Cincinnati Um, it. It's tough. I think there were some people during the national championship game uh, just kind of really feeling terrible for the TCU cheerleaders. (laughs) It's a tough, tough (laughs) fucking job. Let me tell you something. It's a tough gig when your team sucks. I was, Mm -hmm. uh, I was talking to one of my, one of my brothers, really close friends from high school, cheer for the bucks for three years and they were horrific during her three seasons. And she said it was one of the worst experiences, like having to cheer in a half empty stadium when the bucks are getting their absolute tails whipped with Josh Freeman, pop an Adderall and going to Soho at four o'clock in the morning before a game. Like it was awful.
2: Mm. That sounds incredible, but we will also be talking about obviously the, the men's basketball, women's basketball, um, men's tennis, uh, mm. what happened there? Uh, and then, uh, we get to talk about something good with a running sport. Some good things happen in track and field over the weekend. Sure. Well, but technically, it, Te- technically the, the track portion of the running sport there, but uh, yeah, there's some good things happening there. So um, yeah, it'll, it'll be on around nine o'clock tomorrow. Uh, we'll probably go a little bit longer just because uh, I do want to hear more from Heath on what's going on there uh, with cheerleading. So should be fun. I might get naked. Who knows? Oh man. Lord
0: willing. Mm. Is, is there uh is there a nudity clause in Twitch that we can't be nude what's the other rules? think there's
3: rules and can be tasteful tasteful nudity perfect tasteful it'll
2: it will be tasteful nudity
3: oh there you go i can't wait Mm, baby (laughs) perfect (laughs) (laughs) all right well for
0: steve and seth i have been nathan bond thanks for tuning in thanks for staying up with us go enjoy the rest of your night get some sleep have a wonderful thursday be sure to check out the usf roundup tomorrow with Steg and Vito, with special guest, special guest, Keith Rinkus, as we discuss all things cheerleading and Olympic sports. Again, follow us on Twitch. Shoot us a DM, and you'll get into the Discord free until fall camp.
3: Bubbles. Bubbles. Bubbles.